Yeah, good morning to you, and we are glad that you are in the house of the Lord. You know, one of the things I get to do is put the video together, and, and I choose these things off the internet usually, and that slide that said, God's goodness outweighs your badness. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad we got that kind of a God uh, who my badness pales to his uh, goodness. All right, well, again, we're glad that you're here, and we are in our, our the summer series uh, called The Fruit of the Spirit, and this is week number five in The Fruit of the Spirit. And I tell you what, it's going to be a long summer, I'm just telling you right now, you know, I, I again, I told you, oh, when I started this gig, you know, about the self-control thing, I said, boy, I'm dreading that one, you know. And then last week I told you how patience caught me blindsided. I knew I wasn't a particularly patient person, but when I studied and stood up to preach, I went, oh my gosh, what am I doing up here? We need some, need Brent Holloway up here. He's one of the most patient people I know. You don't need me because I don't have it. Well, then I thought that was all over with, and then I started studying for this kindness thing, and I went, oh my goodness, there we go again. So it's going to be a long next four weeks as we finish up the fruit of the Spirit. And again, someone said, I think on Facebook they posted something, and they said, you know, the pastor got all over our toes Sunday. Trust me, mine are sore. In fact, I got new shoes on. Well, kind of new shoes on, and they're more comfortable because I'm going to need it today as we talk about kindness, all right? So anyway, so the sermon series today, our message today, is leaving Lodi Bar. And uh, you might say, what's a Lodi Bar? Well, we'll get to that in just a minute. But basically, we can put a subtitle there, and that'll make it clear. Lodi, leaving Lodi Bar, a kindness story. A kindness story, and that's where we're going. You know, you hear a lot about kindness these days. You see it everywhere. If you go over to El Dorado, about halfway on the right, you're going toward El Dorado, on the right-hand side, just a big sign, big billboard there. It says, be kind. Uh, if you're listening on the radio, yep, you hear it on the radio. If you listen to television, you see it all over. And the crazy part is, is that we're seeing it more from the world than we are the church. In fact, honestly, often we hear, you know, directed at us some comments about you need to be kind because sometimes Christians, well, we're just not very kind. And so it's a very, very appropriate message. How can we be kind? How can we lead the charge um, in kindness? Um, we're glad to have Sarah home with us for a little bit, a couple of days, and uh, they might be moving back in this direction, and we're excited about that. Um, but she came in, no accident. I told her smart, I said it was no accident. She walked in, you know, and said, hi, we huggy-huggy, you know, like kissy-kissy thing. We did that. And then I, I stepped back, and I look at her shirt, and, and, and it was on kindness, of all things. And I told her this morning, I said, that was no accident. You know, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. In a world that you can be anything, be kind. And here's the deal. You know, I can honestly say with Sarah, that's just one of her things. You know, I know for a fact that she's just a very, very kind person. Judy and I were talking about that's just one of her attributes, one of her characteristics um, is kindness. See, she didn't just wear the shirt. She lives the shirt. A while back, and it's been several years, probably eight, eight or nine years ago, I bought a college you know, sweatshirt, and it was a team I didn't even know anything about. And somebody said, oh, are you a fan of such and such? I said, oh, no, the shirt was on sale. And we often, we all, yeah, it's the truth. We, we often buy the shirt, but we don't get it. We put the verse on the coffee cup, but we don't get it. And I hope today that we can learn together about truly getting kindness. Lodi Bar, 
a kindness story. Now, we're going to start out with talking about what, was, what exactly is kindness. So kindness, then, um, is marked by acts of generosity. In other words, you know, generosity is giving more, giving more, okay? It's also marked by consideration, putting others first, more, putting others first, more, and then concern for others, Caring more. So kindness is marked by those three things, generosity, consideration, or concern for others. Now, we do that, here's the cool part, without expecting praise or reward. In other words, you just do it because that's what you do. Now, now again, the world, the fact that the world does this is pretty amazing. The fact that we don't do it is also pretty amazing because... It is a characteristic of Jesus. Now, all the nine fruit of the Spirit are characteristics of Jesus Christ. You, I'm sure you probably figured that out, okay? But, but it's one of the big ones of Jesus Christ. Um, over in Matthew chapter 8, the story is told of, of Jesus, and he's coming down off the mountain. And it's not like the mountain of transfiguration. He's just coming down a mountain. And, and a guy that runs, runs up to him, and he's a leper. Okay, now again, you know back in those days, leprosy was uncurable. Boy, if you had leprosy, you were, a, you were an outcast. You couldn't go to Walmart. You couldn't go to Kroger. You couldn't even go to church. Okay, you were just like an outcast, right? Well, this guy runs up to Jesus, falls down on his face, and says this. It's an amazing statement of faith. Lord, Lord, I believe that you know, if you want to, if you're willing, you can heal me. In other words, God, I know, you know, Jesus, you can take care of this. You can do this thing for me. And you know what Jesus did? He did a couple things. First off, he reached out and touched him. Whoa, didn't touch a leper. Okay, violated all the rules right there, okay? He reached out and touches this guy, and then he says, I am willing to be healed. And the Bible says instantly, this guy was healed. And it's just an awesome act of kindness. That day, um, that guy's life was radically and totally changed by the kindness of Jesus Christ. So it's a very, it's a very, Jesus, and of course, we could go on and on and on about the kindness of Jesus. It's a characteristic of Jesus, okay? But then by default, you know, because, you know, we're related to Jesus Spiritually, okay, he's our, if you will, our big brother. He's our king, but he's our big brother, okay? And because we have the DNA of God flowing in our spiritual veins, because of all that, by default, it should be a characteristic of us. Again, the world, the world should not outshine us in our kindness. We should be leading the charge in this, okay? So, so kindness, then, is this act of generosity and consideration and concern for others without expecting anything in return. Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 12, and he said, boy, he puts it out there really clear for us. He said, therefore, now note this, as God's chosen ones, as God's kids, okay, as believers in Jesus Christ, as Christ followers, as God followers, okay, as God's chosen ones, holy, okay, and that literally means set apart. We're set apart for the purpose of glorifying God. Holy and dearly loved. Dearly loved. And this is so important because you've all heard the saying before, hurt people hurt. Hurt people hurt. But here's the deal. Love people love. And we need to understand, we need to understand God's love for us. And as we understand God's love for us, we will love. And, 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 as we understand God's kindness to us, 
we'll find ourselves being kind. How about that? How about that? Okay? So, so as chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on. Now, I know you wake up every, every you know, Sunday morning and say, what am I going to wear at church? What am I going to wear at church? I just so cute. Some of the couples, you know, that I know here, they dress alike, you know. Blue and blue and stripes and stripes and all that stuff, you know. So what are you going to wear to church, okay? And so here's the deal. As we get dressed for church, there are spiritual clothes that we need to put on. Here's what Paul says. You know, as chosen ones holy and dearly loved, put on. And here they are. Compassion. Not puffiness and not pride, okay? Compassion. Put on compassion. Put on, here's our word, here's our word, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How powerful is that? So, so Paul says every day when you get up, okay, as you get dressed for whatever your day, you know, we often now to church wear business casual, all right? Well, we're to wear spiritual casual where we go, and it should look like compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. So that's what kindness looks like. But let's go one step further. Let's go to level two kindness. All right, level two kindness. And, and that is called mercy. And mercy is, boy, it's, it's more than a first cousin um, to kindness. Okay, it goes further than that. So, so mercy then is compassion and kindness. Compassion and kindness shown to someone. Okay, now at that point, oh, well, it's kindness. Yeah, Dwayne, we already talked about kindness. It goes a step further. It's, it's shown to someone whom, whom it is in one's power to punish or harm. In other words, you choose to show kindness and compassion on someone when it's within your power to hurt them. That's mercy. We know about mercy. Um, I don't know if anybody here has been before a judge before, but let's say you got a DUI or something was going on. You broke the law. You might go before the judge who has the power to harm you and say, God, Lord Jesus, you know, judge, you'll use all kinds of religious words, okay? You know, hey, judge, would you please show mercy, mercy. You're pulled over, 78 and a 55. Pull it over, there's the blue lights flashing in the rearview mirror, pull over. Gosh, well, you know, what's your wife going to say? What's your husband going to say? What's your mom and daddy going to say? You know, going to cost you $250. And so what do you do? You start pleading mercy. You say, oh, sir, look, I, I'm sorry. I realized I was going really fast. And could you please, you know, let it go today? And that's asking for mercy, okay? So they have, we, which when we show kindness to someone, we have the, the ability to hurt, you know? Well, look. That's everyday life for the believer, okay? You know, Romans chapter 12, verse number 14, there's a really good scripture there. And in fact, it's one of those ones you go, really? You know, was Paul metaphorically speaking? Now, listen. Bless those who hurt you. What? Let me tell you something. There's something I want to do to people who hurt me, and it does not involve blessing Okay, it does not involve blessing. But Paul says, no, no, you're a Jesus follower. You're a Christ child, okay? So, so bless those who hurt you. Don't curse them. See, the problem is, it's not that we don't pray for those who hurt us. It's that we pray wrongly. It goes something like this. Uh, Hi, Father, this is your son, Dwayne. I could use a little fire and brimstone on somebody. Ever pray like that far? Your husband does it again. Your wife does it again. Your child does it again. And you pray just a little fire and brimstone down. Well, Paul says, bless those who hurt you. Don't curse them. 
Don't curse them. Pray, oh, this is really hard. Pray that God would bless them. What? What? That is so mercy. Okay? And something, you know, you may not have to go for a judge this year or last year or next year. You may not even get pulled over by a cop, but you're going to face that. You're going to face someone that hurts you, and you're going to have to make a decision what to do with that. And Paul says, we're to bless those who hurt us. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. That's mercy, and that's one level up on the kindness scale. And then there's godly mercy. And this is level number three, okay? And here's what it looks like. Godly mercy is when God kindly doesn't give us what we deserve, hell. Now, now you've got to get this, okay? Because when we get in church, we sometimes forget what God saved us from. You know, hell is a reality. It's, rare, it's getting rare to hear anything about hell in church because it's not real popular. But this pastor will tell you the truth that before you met Jesus Christ, your destiny was hell. Eternal separation from God. And the Bible describes it, Brent, as a place of fire and brimstone, a burning lake of fire, eternal punishment. That's what we deserve. Well, why, Dwayne? I'm not that bad of a person. No, but you were a sinner separated from God. There's this holy, perfect God, and you were separated. And because of that separation, okay, the one who could said that separation means a place called hell. But, 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 godly mercy is when God kind of doesn't give us what we deserve. No, no, no. But rather offers us what we don't deserve. And that's heaven. And that's godly mercy. We deserve one thing. Hell, and God gives us something else, heaven. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, it's incredible. Aren't you glad we serve such a merciful God? And that's what this whole gospel story um, is all about. You know, Titus 3, uh, verses 4 and 5, Paul writing to Titus, says this, But when the kindness of God, there's our word, when the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. He could have condemned us. It was in His power to condemn us, but rather he saved us. You know, there's an old hymn, and boy, when I first, it's so funny, you, things get in your brain. Um, when we first started thinking about kindness in this message, this popped in my brain immediately. It's an old hymn, but it's one you probably know. In loving kindness, Jesus came, my soul in mercy to reclaim. Yet how or why, I can't explain. Through grace, he lifted me. And, and, when, and when the love, the kindness of God, our Savior, and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. He, he gave us what we didn't deserve, and that's forgiveness and heaven. And listen, it didn't happen, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. You know, it's not your performance. It's zero performance. Zero performance. Zero performance to be saved. Zero performance to stay saved. Okay? It's not what you can bring to the table. Sometimes... You know, when you do a job interview, you know, you'll go to a job and they'll say, well, tell me, what can you bring to our company? What can you bring that will make our company a better company? God, you know, when you do the interview with God, he doesn't say, well, tell me, Dwayne, what do you bring to my company today? Why should I let you in the family? How is, how is the kingdom of God going to be better before I let you in? He doesn't do that because it's not part of the picture. What is, it's his grace and love and mercy. Not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to his mercy. That's how we end up in the kingdom. 
So we have level one, we have kindness, and then we've got mercy where we could do wrong to someone, but instead we choose to do good. And then you've got godly mercy where a holy God says, I'm going to extend to you forgiveness for your sin through my son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So how does that play out in your life? What does it look like in your life? You know, a while back, I remember asking you a question. I asked you this question. So when do you look most like Jesus? When do you look most like Jesus? At what point in your life, your day, your actions, do you look most like Jesus? When you're dealing with your, your, your husband or your wife, when you're dealing with the children, when you're dealing with a customer, when you're dealing with you know, the, the public, the neighborhood, you know, when do you most look like Jesus? And I'm going to tell you what I think, okay? You know, I think it's when we show kindness. I think it's when we show It's not when we come to church. That's a great thing. Keep doing it, okay? It's not that, though. It's when we show kindness and mercy that we are most like our Abba Father. And the reason why? Because he's such a merciful and kind father. And we're going to learn today from a guy named David. This would be King David. And remember what they said about David? He was a man after God's own heart. That's right, God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. We're going to look at this story today, leaving Lodibar. We're going to look at this story and see how he extended kindness. And what's really cool is, I mean, you know, we, we get the leper story and we go, oh, God, that's so great. Jesus, you did such a good job. But I, I'm not you, okay? I'm not you. Okay. Or, or maybe look at God, 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 I'm not, I'm not you. I'm, I'm fresh, flesh. I'm frail. David was like us. He didn't have a corner on the good market. In fact, remember a little story about Bathsheba? <laughs> he didn't have a corner on the good market, and yet he did an incredible, many incredible things that were very, very God-like. So let's take a peek at it and see what it looks like. Now, here's a little refresher course. You remember when David was about 15 or 16 years old, um, he got anointed the king of Israel. And remember, this is important, he wasn't invited to the party. Do you remember that part of the story? Samuel, the prophet, shows up and says, Hey, Jesse, get all the boys together. We're going to anoint someone king today, and so bring all the boys together. And so one by one, they passed in front of of the prophet, and there was nobody. And so he said to Jesse, Hey, you got any more boys? Is this the whole tribe? Is this the whole bunch? And uh, Jesse said, Well, actually, oops, there is one more. Um, we just didn't invite him to the party. <laughs> he wasn't important enough. He's out watching the sheep in the field. And, and Samuel said, well, we're not going on until you bring him in. And he was the guy. He was the one. And, and so he was anointed as the king of Israel, 15, 16 years old. But here's the problem. Israel already had a king. And the king's name was Saul. Okay. And so we got a problem because we have an anointed, new anointed, anointed king of Israel, and we got Saul. What are we going to do about that? Well, Saul, of course, finds all this out. And for, are you ready? For 15 years. This is from last week. Remember, 15 years, Saul chased David around. And, and not to have a, a party, not to have coffee with him. They wanted to kill him. Wanted to kill him. 15 years. And then finally, Saul and Jonathan, his son, are killed in battle. So David becomes king. Half of it. Half of it. He was half king of half Israel. The other half said, nah, we'll get our own king. Seven and a half years more. And by the way, the other part were followers of Saul, the enemy. 
So, you, so, so now, now we have a divided kingdom, and half wants David, half wants the relatives of Saul. We have an issue here, and then guess what happens? After seven and a half years, finally, the whole nation comes together and says, we want you to be king. Twenty-two and a half years. Well, he does some things, and finally the Bible simply says he was at peace with all of his enemies. And so David figured out, you know what, it's time to do something. And what he decided to do was show some kindness. To show some kindness. So let's pick it up in 2 Samuel 9, 3. So the king then asked Ziba. Now I put that in brackets for you because the New, New Living Translation said he. And I said, well, who's he? Well, he is Ziba. And Ziba was the chief servant of Saul. And also, he was the steward of Saul's estate. Because now it all belonged to David because Saul's dead. And he inherited it. He got it. Okay, as a new king. And so, he calls Ziba. And Ziba, he figures Ziba would know everything about Saul's family. So, the king calls and asks Ziba and says, Hey, hey, is anyone still alive from Saul's family? Now, he knows he didn't say initially. He just said, hey, is anyone alive from Saul's family? Because that mean, could mean some really bad news. But it wasn't, okay? If so, David says, I want to show, this is really important. I want to show God's kindness to them. What? You're supposed to kill your enemies, okay? Especially ones related to the previous king, okay? But he wants to show God's kindness to them. Well, Ziba replied and said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. Now, this has got a lot of meaning to it. Do you know what he said? Is anyone. He didn't say, is there someone worthy? He didn't say that. Uh, he, you know, it could have been a cousin Eddie. You know, everyone's got a cousin Eddie. You have black sheep of the family. You know, you got someone you really don't want to show up for Christmas. It could have been. But he didn't say that. He says, anyone still alive from Saul's family? And then I want to show them godly kindness. And, yep, sure enough, there's a son of Jonathan. Now, that was really good news because David and Jonathan were like this. They were so tight. They were besties forever, man. They were just so, so deeply in friendship with one another. You might say they literally loved one another. The Bible says their souls were knitted together. So at the words then that one of Jonathan's sons is alive, well, things just got better. A lot. So let's look at this. Let's look at, you know, you know we got to understand that, that kindness, okay, kindness is something that's very godly, but something to do. So here's what David did. You know, David chose to show God's kindness. Now get that. This is so important. Now what's God's kindness? He doesn't give us what we do deserve, rather gives us something we don't deserve. It would go like this with David. If David gave to this relative what they deserved, there would be an ex- execution service. If he chooses to give them what they don't deserve, he's going to show kindness. So he chooses to show God's kindness. Now, this is really, really, really important. In spite of Saul's legacy. What was Saul's legacy? You think, you think when, when, when David's sitting around having coffee with, with his guys, you know, and the topic of Saul comes up, you think they're going to talk about what a great guy he was? You think you're going to talk about, man, he was just a super leader. He was such a spiritual man. He was just a great guy. No! They're going to talk about Saul's legacy was, yeah, he's the one that chased you for 15 years trying to kill you. That was Saul's legacy. But watch this. 
David did not let Saul's legacy keep him from showing kindness. This is important. Because you see, we've got people in our life. We've all got someone in our lives that, that you are not showing kindness to. And there's a reason. Maybe they hurt you. Maybe they wounded you. Maybe they cheated you. But there's a reason. And yet David comes along and says, listen, in spite of Saul's legacy, and it was bad. He chased me for 15 years. And I know, I know this is his grandson we're talking about, okay? In spite of Saul's legacy, I'm still going to show kindness. What is it in your life? Who is it in your life that you need to forgive so you can show kindness? What is keeping you from showing kindness to others? Okay? Now, it goes on and says this. In spite of Saul's legacy... And driven by Jonathan's legacy. Well, what was Jonathan's le- legacy? The exact opposite. Their souls were knitted together. So what a paradox, huh? What a paradox. You've got, on one hand, you've got Saul was so evil and Jonathan was so good. Okay? There's this paradox. And, and really, David chooses to ignore Saul's legacy and be driven by Jonathan's legacy, which is one of love. And remember this, love covers a multitude of sins. So, so in verse number three, okay, you know, he's, he's fixed them, do the act of kindness thing, and Ziba speaks up. And I just see this. You know, here's Ziba sitting there with David, you know, and, and oh, 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 he said, before you show this kindness, you know, before you, before you really give this guy what he doesn't deserve, there's something you need to know. Uh, he's crippled in both feet. Now, in our culture today, if you said that, you're going to hire a guy because they're handicapped, you'd go to jail for it. Back then, you know, handicapped people, like crippled in both feet, they were, they were throwaways. They were castaways. They were invisible. They're, they're, they're ignored. They're excluded. They're nobodies. And Ziba said, before you show this kindness, you need to know something. He might be a son. He might be a son of Jonathan, but he's a lesser son. Ever feel that way? Did some Christian make you feel that way? You're lesser than? You're a lesser son. Just remember, that's not God's opinion. Maybe some off-balance Christian's opinion, but it's not God's opinion. He's a lesser. And you know, have you ever wondered this? Brent, why did why did David still want Mephibosheth? He's crippled. He's an outcast. He's a nobody. He's a lesser son. You want to know why? David knew how it felt to be a lesser son. Remember, he wasn't invited to the party. When you're struggling with loving people, being kind to people, just remember how maybe sometime in your life somebody withheld kindness. Remember how it felt? Wasn't good? Wasn't good? Remember that. Just remember that. You need to know um, he's crippled in both feet. Outcast away. Verse 4. Where is he? David says. And Ziba went. That's the other problem. See, not only, not only is he the grandson of your enemy, and not only is he crippled in both feet, a, a somebody that nobody would want because he's broken... He lives in Lodibar. Lodibar? Lodibar. See, Lodibar 
Back then, names meant something. And Lodibar was the wrong side of the tracks. Lodibar was the poorest city in the area. Lodibar literally means no pasture. There was no employment. All the factories had closed. If you went there, all you could do was eat by a living because there was nothing there. There was no word. There was no communication. Both those, all three of those terms are in the name Lodibar. It's a place where you went when you had nothing and were expecting nothing. Where life was hopeless, you went to Lodibar. When you were hiding, you went to Lodibar. When you were fearful, you went to Lodibar. Ever been to Lodibar before? Some of you are in Lodibar today. Some of you listening on Facebook are in Lodibar today. It's a real problem, Ziba said. He lives in Lodibar. It's the home of McCurr, son of a male. And that's a little story there too, but we don't have time to go there. So, so, we, have, so we have this boy, okay, and David still doesn't know his name. Um, he is one marked. He is the, he's the son, uh, grandson of King Saul. He's broken. He's crippled in both feet. He's living on the wrong side. Did you know some churches, if you live on the wrong side of the town, you're not welcome? Let that never be said about Dorsfield. Let's remember our roots and who we are. We are children of the king, and anybody should be able to walk in that door and feel welcome. Just in case you need to hear that today. There was no pasture, no word, no communication. This grandson of an enemy had no future. He would live out his days, living. On benevolence, he was not related to Makar. Makar was just showing him kindness. He was living there, had no future, had no hope. And I like this. He was a no one in nothing bill. Ever felt that way? Someone Has someone made you feel that way before? You're a no one from nothing. Well, you're not good enough for my daughter. You're not good enough for our church. You're not good enough... For this business. You're not good enough. That's how it was with him. You know what David did? Verse 5. So David sent for him and brought him from a cur's home. And now we finally learn his name. I've said it around a couple of times, but David learns it now. His name was Mephibosheth, and his name means from the mouth of shame. Because as a cripple, that's all he knew was shame. Some of the people you're withholding kindness for, that's where they live. And they need grace, and they need love, and they need kindness, and they need mercy. They don't need our rocks, and they don't need our judgment. So his name was Mephibosheth, and and he was Jonathan's son and and Paul's grandson. Saul's grandson. And this is such a paradox, again, because you've got Jonathan, you know, who David loved, and you've got Saul, who wanted to kill, kill David. What a, what a paradox um, that it is. So, so he came into David. This is verse number six. So he, he came into David. He, Mephibosheth, came in, and he bowed low to the ground. Okay? Now, this is important because he didn't know what to expect. Well, he kind of did. He expected he was going to die. He got, you know, the king, the new king, the new sheriff in town calls you into his office. You probably, it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. So, so his life then was in the hands of this new king, okay? He knew what he could expect, and that was honestly, I mean, this is a different time. It was execution. You know, David might still be rounding up the bad guys, 
to secure his throne. Okay? He knew what to expect. And maybe he even deserved it. Maybe, maybe he'd been convinced that that's exactly what he deserved. Nothing more. And you know what? When you think you deserve the worst, Lodibar doesn't sound bad. Maybe some of you here today have been pushed down, shoved down, talked about, rocks thrown at you, and you know what? You've convinced yourself that's all you deserve. The children of Israel, they want to go back to Israel, didn't they, Brent? They want to go back to, to Egypt. They want to go back to Egypt. You know, we've, we've been better off as slaves. Well, the enemy whispers in our ears and tries to convince us that we deserve nothing more than Lodibar. The person that you're withholding kindness from is probably convinced that's all they deserve is Lodibar. So we have this situation. David eases things by saying, Greetings, Mephibosheth. <laughs> I, like, I put my little teaching notes here. Greetings <laughs> of all the things that Mephibosheth thought he was going to have in here. It wasn't greetings. Greetings, Mephibosheth. Um, Mephibosheth replied, I am your servant. I'm your, I'm your slave. Take me. Just don't kill me. And this is so cool. You know what this is like? The prodigal son? Amen. It's the prodigal son. You know, you know, the prodigal son came home and he had this big spill prepared. Just make me a servant. And daddy had a lot more in store than being a slave. And guess what? David's got a lot more in store from Mephibosheth. He's saying, just make me a servant. And David says, oh, no, 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 no. I've got more for you. And let me tell you something. Look at me. If you're here today, if you're watching on Facebook today, and Satan has convinced you that you're nothing, and, and nothing's built, and you'll never be more than a nothing, God's got a better plan for you. He wants, <laughs> he wants to make you his child. He wants to make you his child. He wants to give you a new name. A new name. Child of God. And David says this in verse number 7. He says, don't be afraid. Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. Hey, the message of Christmas, the angel said, don't be afraid. Hey, the message of Easter at the tomb, the angel said, don't be afraid. And God's message for you and us today is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I intend. David announces his intentions. I intend to show kindness to you. I call this the Jeremiah 29 11 principle. You know, God said to the nation of Israel, you know, when he goes, he goes I got this great plan for you. I, I got plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I got plans to give you hope and a future. And so this crippled boy, young man, comes in to David expecting, boy, if I can just live, I can just be a slave. And David says, I got bigger plans than that for you. Mephibosheth, I got plans to prosper you and give you a future. I've got plans to give you hope. A man, a boy who knew nothing about hope, finds out there is hope through this king. David. I intend to show kindness to you. And here's why, Mephibosheth. And by the way, I really believe he didn't hear this. Because of my promise to your father. My best friend. My promise to your father. Jonathan, I, listen to this. 
I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul. Mephibosheth, I know right now you've got nothing. Well, guess what? You're going to have something. And I know, listen here, if you're here without Jesus Christ, spiritually you've got nothing. The Bible says all our righteousness is as filthy rags. We've got nothing to bring to the table. We've got nothing to bribe God with. And God, let me in your kingdom. We can't bribe God because we've got nothing. Well, David says, I'm going to give you a new inheritance. You're going to go from nothing to your grandfather's entire inheritance. You're going to have something now. And, and he goes on and says this. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Your visit, your visit to Jerusalem is not a temporary one. Amen. You're done with Lodibar. Yep. Amen. <laughs> Lodibar is no longer your home. Not only are you going to live in the king's city, you're invited to eat at the king's table. Night after night after night after night. And by the way, we're not going to get through this because we didn't get through it the first time. Then we'll get through it this time either. But you need to understand something. That means, hey, Mephibosheth, I'm treating you as a son. You're not a servant. I'm treating you as my son. You're welcome to eat at my table. And then Mephibosheth, in verse 8, bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? Mephibosheth looks at his broken body, his nothings bill, his his empty bank account, his rejection, his darkness, his hopelessness, and says, who am I? And see, he didn't hear what David said. I'm doing this because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. And what Mephibosheth needed to understand was, is that it's not about you. Mephibosheth, you're going to be be the recipient of this kindness, but it's not about you. It's It's about me loving your father, Jonathan. You get to be the recipient because of my love. And see, that's the cross. We got God's kindness because the Father loved the Son and the Son loved us enough to die on a Roman cross. And we can have all the God's kindness, His forgiveness, His love, and His mercy. See, you understand something, and you need to know this because in case there's someone you're withholding kindness from who desperately needs Jesus, see, this salvation thing, it's not about you. It never was about you. I mean, you've got about that much to do with your salvation. You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that by grace we have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. The faith you need to repent and the faith you need to believe in Jesus comes from God. You've got this deal, man. God just said, hey, here it is. I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to give you faith and belief. All you've got to do is turn from your sin and follow my son. That's it. That's your part. Just turn from your sin and follow Jesus. Wow. Amazing. Now, just remember that because we have a tendency after we've been in church a while to think how good we are and somehow God is privileged to have us in the family. Okay? Just remember that it was all God. 
And it will be all God that works in the life of the one you need to show kindness to. With God, nothing is impossible. No matter how deep the hurt, no matter how deep the pain, God's grace is sufficient. Amen? So, so who's your Mephibosheth? And, and by the way, this person may not have even offended you. This is not about offense. You may just know somebody. You may know somebody right now who is just struggling in their world. And you, God is going to allow you to reach out and touch them and show kindness. Maybe you have been hurt and offended. And God wants to use you to show kindness. Who is your Mephibosheth? Who's your Jonathan? Because when it's hard to show kindness, just remember someone who showed kindness to you. Of course, God does. But maybe you need that flesh and bone thing that, that Trenton talked about. Sometimes we just need flesh and blood. So maybe there's a Jonathan. And, oh, if you got a Saul in your past, forget him. Forget that. And just be, just be a child of God, a recipient of God's kindness, and therefore willing to share kindness with those. Let's don't let the world outdo us in this. You know, again, I've, I've said this before, and it's not original with me, that the, more, the world hears more from the church about what we're against than what we're for. We should stand up against what we're against. I'm telling you, the main principal message of the church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the big story. Amen? Hey, let's bow our heads. Thank you so much for letting me share today. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, I hope today would be the day. My friend Brent's going to be standing up down front. We would love to share with you about Jesus. You've probably got a ton of questions, and we'll try our best to answer those questions um, for you. The altar, of course, is open. Hey, do you want to come pray for that person that needs kindness? Are you the one who needs kindness? And just say you just want to come and ask God to help you and give you the peace that you need. Uh, maybe that's what you need today. You know, the altar is open today. If there's any decision um, that you need to make, just come, and we'll be glad to pray with you and help you in any way. Um, that we can. And God, I just want to say personally thank you uh, for allowing me to share these truths today. And God, I know it's for me. It's me. That, that says, Lord, it's me. Oh, God, it's me standing in need of prayer. So I want to pray, Father, you help this pastor to be kinder than ever. Lord, help me to be like Christ in this area. But then I want to pray for our church, Father. I want us to be a church that exudes kindness. Father, please help us to be like Jesus in this area. And if there's someone here who's been wounded or been hurt, Father, give them the grace that they need to forgive. And then, Father, give us the wisdom to reach out and touch the ones that we know that need your love. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.